This week on Trek Mary Kill, soon cut, soon cut, soon cut. Next! Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Wednesday. I possess superior strength. I tremble. When America's SmackDown hero takes on Voyager's Battlestar Bane, worlds will collide. I have no desire to inflict further damage. I'm afraid I can't say the same. Dakota to Voyager, beam her out of there! WWS The Rock guest stars on an all-new Voyager. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hello, and I'm Andy. I'm Francis09. And I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Go on. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous <laughs> Trek, Mary, Kill. Uh, welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill. This week, it's one of our wildcard episodes. It's actually our first wildcard episode. That's where we have the guests choose which episodes we're going to watch. Our, uh, our guest this week, I'm reuniting two of my favorite, favorite Twitter follows, Andy Money 69 and Fansense 09. Uh, Andy Money is a now a, a an accomplished writer, producer, director of a short film Tito, and Fansense 09 is the biggest Philadelphia Phillies and Eagles fan since 2009 and a social media savant. I think th- those are fair things to say. Uh, welcome both of you to the show. Thank, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks. That's the first time Savant's been used in a positive way about me. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we should let the fans know that uh, if uh, long long term listeners will will know that uh, the both of us used to do a a, a conspiracy uh, a, a conspiracy focused podcast uh, focused on baseball and um, uh, called Infowars, and unfortunately this uh, this jerk. It's really bad guy. Uh, he he kind of ruined the whole thing for us. So yeah, uh, and unfortunately, and then the joke, and nobody ever really got the joke of the name was it was Info Wars, as in wins over replacement. It was the the stat. Nobody ever really got that. People thought we were an extension of Info Wars. They did, and 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 that was that was the toughest thing about the whole thing was they literally thought that. It, it was an Infowars baseball podcast, which I don't know how much of an overlap there's going to be between people who think that, you know, there's spirit cooking that exists and uh, and baseball fans. But I, I guess there must have been because yeah, enough people yeah. wondered about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good. It was good. I'm happy there's like four episodes of it because it's one of those things that I think is like great and then just kind of disappears. Like, you know, it's one of those like cult uh you know, shows that had like four episodes and it has like people that are always saying like, that was the greatest thing. And then other people have never heard of it. And really what happened yeah, was that yeah. like, we're lazy. I have podcast ideas all the time that I want to do, but like, I'm not putting a podcast together. I don't, I don't, I have time for it, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't want to learn. We were, and... we were too far ahead of our time. That was, <laughs> yeah, I think that, so. that, that was the problem. That's, that's, that's what I tell myself is, is that we were just a few months ahead of the, uh, ahead of the curve and then immediately the curve went in the opposite direction and right exactly uh, you were riding the wave of like what if people thought this was funny and instead the the tide turned towards this is someone's identity you know, so, it, yeah. it, it, it turns out they took it seriously yes that, that was the problem. right yeah i mean there are people doing it unironically yes if you want a cult <laughs> description of it though if you're not quite sure you're on the fence you can find it. i think it, there's a soundcloud you can still find it on but think of it this way it's like the uh, the naked gun tv show the police, the police squad. Yeah. 
There are the only six episodes of that. They're all fantastic, and they set up the naked gun. So maybe you guys are just gonna have your your bigger day. I don't know. But in the it's, meantime, it's one of it's one of many reasons why I'll never be able to run for president. Uh, but uh... yeah. <laughs> You're going to be too big of a of an indie filmmaker now. That's yeah, gonna, right. Please, it's going to be too please. busy with that. But this week, we're going to talk about Star Trek Voyager's uh, sixth season episode, Sunkatsi. Uh, it aired on UPN, rest in peace, on February 9th, 2000. It's the 15th episode of the sixth season. It was written by Robert J. Doherty off a story by Gannon Kenny, directed by Mike Viger. Vihar? It'd be funny if it was V'ger because of the Star Trek connection. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, but perhaps most importantly, everyone knows that this is the episode that The Rock was in. That's right. Dwayne yeah. The Rock Johnson was in an episode of Star Trek, the Star Trek Voyager. Let me do a quick synopsis. The Voyager finally gets uh, a shore leave. So the crew goes to this planet and they get really uh, into this basically MMA with alien fighting and they get a gamble and all that stuff. But Seven of Nine and Tuvok are not really down with blood sports. So they decide to go be nerds and view a, a nebula collapsing. And on the way, they get captured by the ship. And they're basically dragooned or conscripted into this fighting group that puts on these shows. Sunkatsi is the name of the game. And so now Seven of Nine, in order to save Tuvok's life, has to participate. And, uh, and that's when Voyager crew discovers that she's been brought into this. And they have to rescue her at the end. The episode has a twist. Uh, she's trained by a, a veteran fighter who's been there for 19 years, a Herogen, who doesn't get a name. He's played by General Martok from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, J.G. Hertzler. Uh, the Herogen, if you don't know anything about Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek in general, that's basically Star Trek's version of the Predator. That's what the Herogen race are. So he's been fighting for 19 years and he teaches Seven of Nine how to win her next battle because she loses her first one, but the second one's to the death. And uh, it turns out he's going to be her opponent because he wants her to kill him so he can get be done with this whole thing. And instead Voyager rescues him at the end. So that's that. Sounds like a, sounds like a <laughs> WWE wrestler trying to get out of their contract to me. <laughs> no, it sounds like a TV network that just added wrestling content and needed promotion. I was actually shocked how little The Rock is in this episode. I don't want to get too far ahead, like, jumping ahead, but one thing that shocked me was this is such an infamous episode for both wrestling fans and Star Trek fans. Oh. Um, and it's it's funny to me that The Rock is in it for, like, ten minutes. I expect him to be in this, like, the whole whole episode. I didn't realize that, you know, it's been so long since I've watched it. I haven't watched it since since it probably came out. And I was so surprised to see that he was in it for such a short period of time, probably to protect him a little bit, because, you know, he's not a great, uh, uh, you know, actor or whatever. I'm trying to be diplomatic. He wasn't a great actor yet. He wasn't yeah, a great yeah. actor yet. Yeah. He, he was still figuring it out. About, yeah, the hierarchy of power had not shifted yet. <laughs> not changed forever, yeah. I, I was more excited when I saw Jeffrey Combs' name pop up. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there like uh, like Leo in uh, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at my screen like, oh, my God, Jeffrey Combs is in this episode literally yeah. playing Vince McMahon. Hell, yeah. That So there is some valor stealing, I feel like, with Voyager saying, let's go to Deep Space Nine. Let's dip in that well now that that show's wrapped and let's get two of the best guest starring actors on that show to to 
boost our little show because we're already feeling like we're slumming to do WWE content in our show. Let's bring in two of our better DS9 actors. And they're kind of nothing parts. (laughs) That's kind of what I felt even the first time I saw this. I was like, oh, they had a decree from UPN that you got it. We got to do a WWE tie in. Um, and this was the first as many. They had Enterprise was full of WWE type. Big Show played a uh, played a Orion on there at one point. There was there was a couple tie ins actually, but this one it's like it felt like they said, okay, we have to do this. So let's like let's just do our best and let's try to like kind of stack the deck with the, with the best people we can get. So yeah, so they got JD Hertzler and and Jeffrey Combs. It seemed like to kind of kind of pull this thing up a little bit. It, it 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 is also funny that it's very clear that the writers had no experience with wrestling before this. Yeah. Uh like like you watch the episode and there's like so many little things where it's like, oh, you could totally do a joke about like Vince being in charge of this or like little things like that. That that like back then they probably could have gotten away with because it was on the same network and everything else. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, they they had no idea what wrestling was about. I don't blame them. <laughs> I mean, they're, they were, you know, they're focused on Star Trek, you know, but, but it's so funny to see like, like Jeffrey Combs is so it's, he's so wasted. I thought, I thought he was so wasted in that role. I thought there was so much fun things you could do as that sort of like head of the promotion sort of character that I feel like that was like a waste of time. It's like, Oh, he's here. He's gone. It's like, Oh, the rock yeah, you is didn't here. Need he's Jeffrey gone. Combs. Yeah. You did not need Jeffrey Combs in, in here. Um, yeah. They basically asked him to come in and be oily. And uh, and that was it. And he, and he did, because that's what he's good at. <laughs> one one other thing about the episode unrelated to wrestling. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you you guys agree. Um, but watching Neelix in this episode just reinforced to me that he the one of the worst characters in Star Trek. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Just just I don't know. It, it should work. It should work. He's, you know, the, the comic relief character or whatever. It's fine. But you watch him in this episode and he's just so bad he's it's just a, there was a clip that i saw someone was playing uh star trek elite force do you guys know that guy? obviously you guys mm-hmm. know that guy. i'm familiar with it yes <laughs> but 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 there's a clip where the guy's streaming it and he's in in the uh the kitchen and he has the phaser rifle and he runs into the kitchen and immediately disintegrates neelix and i was like <laughs> after that episode after that episode i was like you know what i felt that i know how that feels like like now i totally get like why someone would feel that way. He does have all the best lines, I think, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Which goes to tell you, it wasn't a very good episode if Neelix has the best lines out of everything. Ah, this is my perfect time to squeeze this in here. So Robert Doherty, who wrote the episode, would go on to create uh, the best adaptation of Sherlock Holmes this century, Elementary on CBS. Did he really? I yes. did not know that. Yeah. Yes. So it's kind of amazing that this episode was written by him. Um, also, he did. He also, after Elementary, did Limitless, the TV show, which was mm-hmm. which wasn't too bad. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, but hold on, why was it? Oh, was this just a big deal for wrestling because it was sort of um, for wrestling fans because like, oh, The Rock is in a TV show, or was it two nerd cultures colliding? No, no it was no literally. It was no literally <laughs> SmackDown started on UPN. They needed UPN needed kind of all the promotion because it was like. The first show since um, it was like the first show since um, what you call it since uh, like Raw. You know, there was Raw. You know, it was WCW mm-hmm. that had the two shows. WCW was, I think, gone by this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, February, yeah. It was not. Nine, yeah. What What year was this episode? This was ninety two thousand. February 2000. 2000. Okay, yeah. 
So, so it's like right after. It's like right at the end of the Attitude Era, right? Uh, and it was, and it, and it was, it was before. I believe it was. Was it before Mummy Returns? Before The Rock actually like was in a movie? I think, I think this so. was I'm his first. Uh, yeah, I think this is his first acting performance. Yeah, Mummy Returns was 2000. Yeah, so this was like his really first acting appearance. So, you know, there was a big cross promotion. It was, you know, Voyager didn't do great in the ratings, and and you know, SmackDown was kind of an unproven commodity so i think it was like hey let's let's do a crossover you know so i think that was both of it i think they were trying to get you know wrestling fans to voyager and they were to 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 kind of raise the prominence of that a little bit and then trying to also get voyager fans to wrestling i don't think either were probably particularly successful i mean today if it was done today the the i would say the venn diagram is like a circle of people that like wrestling and people (laughs) that like uh people that like uh uh, Star Trek, but I think back then, you know, uh, before nine eleven, famous... before nine yeah, well, eleven, United All Geek Culture. This was a year before. This could have also been live and live attack. You saw this, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was before that. So I think you know, for at the time, there were these two really diasporic not desperate, these two really drastically different um, fan bases that really, because it was kind of all like hicks and stuff watching wrestling at that point with the Attitude Era. Um, you know, nobody was watching Voyager. Uh, yeah. So I don't think that crossover, but I think if it was done today, it would be, you know, it would it would be way bigger and I think way more impactful. Absolutely. I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling as a kid. So yeah. that wrestling and The Simpsons, and I love both of them now. So it, it's, it, it's funny now because I, I remember when it came out, it was a huge deal. Um, but it, it, it very, you can tell that it was an attempt to sort of bring the two things together. And it was kind of humorous to me because you really can tell that nobody knew how to bridge this gap. Today it would be different because it's it like uh, entertainment now is so homogenized that everyone has some sort of experience with all forms of entertainment. So whoever wrote that episode then would have had a better idea today if it happened today. Well, and also just about every popular franchise has a wrestler in it. I mean, you've, yeah, you know, yeah. Marvel has Batista, DC has Cena, you know, it's like everybody has, you know, there were enough wrestlers also that could act that nobody would, would bat an eye if like, you know, someone turned on an episode of Discovery had like Seth Rollins on it. Nobody would bat an eye. Right. Be like, oh, yeah. of course he's on it. He likes the show or whatever. I don't know if he does, but just as an example, you know, nobody would really bat an eye at this. Whereas this was like a huge, you know, oh my God, it's The Rock. They weren't taken seriously back then as anything yeah. more than just like a sideshow. Yeah. The, just, just full disclosure in Tito, we have two professional, uh, two professional wrestlers acting in our, our movie. Uh, we had um, Joe Rudd, who was Eric Rowan in WWE. And um, we had Claudio Castagnoli, who's uh, the ring of honor champion right now. Um, and it's, it's one of the things speaking to them, especially, is knowing to them how seriously they take the craft, not only of acting, but of wrestling. And it's very interesting to me that you can see back then that like, they really kind of kept like the kid gloves on, like they really protected the rock in this role to make sure that we think you could tell that the writers or the producers or or whoever was nervous that he wasn't necessarily going to be able to give the kind of, good enough performance to act so they protected him very much you know he does he does the the people's elbow and he does the eyebrow and everything else and you know it's, it's, yeah it's, it's everything everything he does is protected 
And it was wild to see, especially considering now how back then it was more of like a sideshow sort of thing where, where, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's wrestling in Star Trek, which is like this highbrow sort of intelligent storytelling, philosophical storytelling, everything else. And then you introduce this wrestler to it. And it's like you can kind of tell they didn't know what to do. The other part is it's it's what you said. They're trying to merge audiences, but this is the turn for UPN figuring out what kind of a network it is. That's what, like you look at what this episode's about. It's wrestling. Yes. So you've got the rock, but also who he's fighting seven of nine, who is the sex pot who they dropped in in season four of Voyager to spice up the ratings and to appeal to a broader crowd and say, here's a sexy young person, you know. He's not fighting Chakotay, right? The the rational Star Trek story would be maybe he fights Chakotay, maybe even the Doctor, or or well, like original, you know. I mean? I, according to according to Memory Alpha, uh, the uh, the original draft was um, was him was uh, was Tuvok was the one in the fighting ring, right? And so they they just they realize like let's put our marquee people against each other. This is you know this is the thing that's going to draw. In, the top of both audiences get the most interest in it. So it is all kind of, you know, a cynical ploy. I don't know. I I'm not tipping my hand too much. I think it surprisingly, I remember not wanting to watch it when it was first out because the, the cynic, the cynicism waves were so strong coming off of it, but also it was the point in me watching star Trek where I was just getting tired of it. And it was season six of Voyager, a show I wasn't totally into. But now rewatching it, it's like, oh, it actually kind of works out. But yeah, well, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's just so much. It's it is it's more fun than you would expect it to be. And it does hit a trope. I mean, every look, the most famous original series episode is Captain Kirk fighting an alien. I mean, yeah, a crew member engaging in combat with like an unknown alien being forced to being forced to fight is like a pretty recurring Star Trek theme. I mean. You know, uh, I don't necessarily think they had one in Next Gen, but I know in DS9 when they were all kidnapped by the uh, Darmok kind of counts. Them fight. Oh yeah, Darmok does count. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not gonna yeah Darmok. Like, well, Darmok yeah was was like the cerebral uh, arena. You know, you have this one, and then you know other other shows have had similar things. I mean, have similar traits where it's like yeah they're mm-hmm. they're you, they're kidnapped and they have to fight you know as a last resort fight aliens. So. Yeah, it is very much a Star Trek trope. I mean, you know, and I feel like that's what they were going for. I feel like they were going more for, you know, they 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 did. I, I never I, see. I don't. I don't. When I watched it again, didn't pick up like you know. Okay, this is one about wrestling. It, it's more of like you know. I feel like when they wrote it, they were like, okay, it's Arena meets Rocky. You know, because you had the trainer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's also, and I, I'm 100% sure they, they all knew about this movie. There's a movie from 1989 that I really like called Arena. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a human that's like, have you ever seen that one? It has uh, uh, Armin Shimmerman in it. And it, uh, no, Audie Christian it. for Babylon 5. It's, it's, it's no. like a guy fighting guys in rubber suits, but it's like a human who's like in a fighting, he's the only human in a fighting league. And like, he has a chance to like be the first human champion ever. It, 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 there's like note for note lines from there. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. that oh, was also okay. kind of their inspiration. Right. But yeah, that's a great movie. If you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever seen Robot Jocks, that's the preview always before Robot Jocks on both the DVD and the VHS <laughs> tape. That's how I learned about it. And then I rented it, but it's a, it's a, it's a great little stupid, uh, I think it's 89 or 90 or something like that. Uh, sci-fi movie. It's not bad. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's like almost note for note this episode. <laughs> 
when no no when when we went through the list of of episodes for well, what we were going to choose to talk about for this episode. Me, I'm thinking to myself, like, I want to talk about tapestry. I want to talk about measure for men. Like, I want to talk about... And then when I, when I actually sat there and, like, watched it, like, there are fun little ethical Star Trek questions that they still slip in there. And and right. this is this is this is where I sort of I'm gonna start ranting about well Star Trek isn't Star Trek anymore because and I feel it about about modern Star Trek that this episode has that modern Star Trek doesn't have is that you can still do something that you want to give into a modern audience and still have what makes Star Trek great at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, like does, does that make sense? Like you can have someone like the rock in your episode and still build a traditional good philosophical thinking Star Trek story as opposed to now I, I haven't watched, I, I need to watch um, strange new worlds. I haven't watched that next yet. And I've, I've heard that is that that is excellent, but that was like one of my big complaints about Picard is that Picard doesn't feel like Star Trek, you know, it doesn't have the same sort of care the, the the same sort of ethical ideas, thinking, presenting ideas, bringing ideas out to people to think about. And when I when I heard it was just it's, it's a wrestling episode. It's just it's just that that it it really to 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 still at the end of it still have something where you're walking out of there thinking something at the end of it. That's what I think we're missing in modern Star Trek, personally. Well, I'll, I'll, I am someone who's, who's notably on record as, as actually liking modern Star Trek and, and Voyager is probably my least favorite of all of the series because I, I, and I was going to get into this later when we talked about previous crews, you know, I, I think Voyager, my problem with it has always been how kind of, I always just never liked, I never, never thought the crew were like good people. You know, it was like the, no, I, I, I understand the logic of like, okay, they're out in the frontier. So, you know, the prime directive is like this nebulous concept to them, but it's very inconsistent. Like, I, you know, I know we were going to talk later about like what would happen under other captains, but like, mm -hmm. do you see if this was a next gen episode, there was shore leave and they said, Hey, commander Riker, we're going to go watch a fighting tournament. He would be like, wait, 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 where are they getting their fighters from? And then two seconds later, he's in the ready room. And then two seconds later, the credits are rolling because they're arresting the guy. I mean, right. it's like, they're not that next gen cast. Is it doing that? And it's just, it's just a lot of like, um, there's, and there are a lot of examples of this where it's like the Voyager crew. I just, I just never felt like they were, there was anybody that was like particularly likable. Brian, I don't, thought, I, you know, I don't know if you agree with this, but but one one of the things, and 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 I, I think that that's an astute point because I, I feel like there's there's two big problems with the Voyager crew. I think one is the actors don't have the same camaraderie and the same friendship with each other, and you even can see that in interviews now. Yeah, they don't like that. Each other. Yeah. yeah, they don't like each other at all. Um, and I feel like that plays big time into why Voyager struggles a lot. Well, and also, I mean, my other problem with it was like, okay, so I get that the that the the focus was always on the the Maquis crew and Seven, I guess, becoming Starfleet officers and growing. 
But then you have the characters that are Starfleet officers never really grow or adjust. Like Tom Paris is just a dick and he's a dick for the entire show, basically. You know, it's like uh, the, the big the know. big mistake they made with that was not using the character from um, what was it? I, I can't Next remember Generation, the first duty, yeah. Nick Locarno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this in our Voyager episode. It's just it was a simple fact of Rick Berman not wanting to pay six or seven hundred dollars an episode to the writer of that character, which is so dumb character. because that character <laughs> would have been so much better being that character. To the point about the cast, it gets tricky because when you're doing network TV, I don't know how great a performance an actor can give anyway, even if they're great, if you're doing 26 episodes a year. So I kind sure, of think sure. in some respect, in some respect, uh, because uh, one thing to point out is it's not like a lot of the people during the Rick Berman era of Star Trek. I, if you did a percentage breakdown, the majority of them did not go on to do other memorable roles or be another. No. Thing. So, and, that, and that's so, been true. Yeah. That's been true from yeah. the beginning of Star Trek. But with in terms of the Voyager cast or the other cast, I think I remember reading Rick Berman saying, you know, you're kind of casting for look and vibe. And then you just go from there and that defines mm-hmm. the character. Essentially, the actors define who the characters are. And I think this was a combination of they kind of didn't. Do, I think Kate Mulgrew is great. And it's kind of interesting yeah. that she's she's excellent. She's excellent. It's worth pointing out she's not in this episode a lot because of that cynicism we talked about. They were like, well, let's get the old lady out of here so right. that she's even though she's the, the freaking captain of the ship. That, but if you had never watched Voyager, you wouldn't really know that you think the man Chakotay was in charge. Um, so that was interesting. And that no wonder Kate Mulgrew for while Jerry Ryan was on the show really hated her because mm-hmm. she could see what the point of her was. But anyway, I think I think it was this combination of they didn't quite cast maybe the best that they could have, but also uh, it was not a well-written show for the most part. It was a lot of remixing other ideas and 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 fansense, like you're pointing out, uh, they, it seems like they just copy-pasted a lot of that Arena movie <laughs> in some cases. So you're taking dramatically familiar situations either through Star Trek or other sources, and you're putting them in the characters have no, this was one of my notes. The characters have no um, flavor to them. If you covered up all the lines of dialogue, I wouldn't have known in that scene if it was seven or the rock talking, their lines are indistinguishable. Mm. There's no character to any of it. So, and that's, it's, it's indicative of the entire series, but I want to ask before we get into the grades, because we should grade the episode. Cause we're already kind of putting that off. How did you both get into star Trek or like, do you remember your first time watching it? Let's start with uh, fans. And so nine. Um, I remember like watching maybe season one of, I mean, my, my, basically my dad was into it. Um, but I remember watching like season one episodes or, or seeing them, um, from time to time. Uh, I remember seeing like the, the, the bug episode where, uh, what was that conspiracy? I, that's like the first yeah. episode I remember watching. And I think I was like at my grandparents' house and nothing else was on. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then, um, what I really got into it was I was watched the, the best of both worlds part two. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I got into it. And then I started watching like HBO would start showing wrath of Khan a lot. So I got, I started to get into it through the movies and then I started getting more consistently into the show. So about like season five was where I was like in, next generation and then you know um again ds9 when i was a kid i i think it just didn't the themes it wasn't like exciting you know it wasn't like the themes didn't really register because you know i was what nine or something i don't re- i don't remember what year did that come out did, did ds9 93 seven no oh 
later than oh, 93 really, really? wow yeah. um it feels so much later than that it, it was such a progressive show for television at the time it feels i'm actually surprised it was that late to be honest with you. yeah i mean i was i was pr- i mean so it didn't really hit it it started to hit kind of later like i kind of was like with ds9 like eh, and then when Worf came on i'm like oh Worf, i'll watch this and then um yeah when voyager came on it was like i was more like you know i would watch more like next gen reruns more than i would watch like voyager i mean i was it was one of those points where i was like all right like i'm committed to this franchise so i kind of have to watch it but Mm -hmm. now i was i did watch this episode live because i was into wrestling and i was into star trek at the same time so i'm like oh i wonder how they're gonna pull that off so but but since then i mean i've been pretty consistently you know i would say that's what that's when i got huge into it i mean i would i went to like i made my my dad drag me to conventions when i was a kid um you know when there were next gen characters so it's a couple of those maybe fifth grade so it was like you know i i got big into it earlier and then you know it's been a pretty consistently big part of my life since that you know i have a lot of problems with this episode but there are some good things and there is kind of like you know the central conflict outside of the wrestling the the conflict kind of between um the Herogen and Seven, there is some good stuff there about the nature of like, can you can you be a killer and still keep your morality? I mean, that's a that's a timeless Star Trek question. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty consistent part of my life. And, and this episode, I mean, has been I, I've seen it a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, learning the rock bottom from it, just frame by frame. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I knew the rock bottom. What was funny was like I because, you know, I knew I knew. uh you know, I, I watched wrestling, so I knew The Rock was, and I'm like, oh, he's going to do the eyebrow. He's going to. So I thought it was kind of funny that you know that he came out and did the eyebrow. He does that in Scorpion King too. He comes out and does the not Scorpion King, uh, Mummy Returns. He comes out and does the, the people's eyebrow. And I just remember at the time people being like, nobody will ever see a movie that guy is in. Like it's ridiculous. Like he's a wrestler. Nobody's ever. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but Andy, I'm I'm interested to hear uh, your remember watching Star Trek. What got you into it, if anything? Yeah, so so both my parents are big Star Trek fans. I, I think that's pretty consistent for Star Trek fans. Balance of Terror was one that I watched ten thousand times, uh, and it was based off of a, a World War II movie. I'm sure you've just dis- discussed this, based off a World War II movie called uh, uh, Run Silent, Run Deep. Run. It was a, it was a submarine movie in space, and it was so cool. And I'll never forget how cool it was. Um, but then as I got older, they would they started watching The Next Generation. That was something that we all did together. Um, and that was when I really fell in love with Star Trek was watching The Next Generation. Um, I played the flute when I was a kid. I learned how to play the flute. Um, we went, I, I remember in grammar school, uh, we were at a, conve- a, not a convention, but but it was like, a, it was a big sit down where they were like, oh, you can choose what instrument you want to play. And there was this guy who did a really cool drum solo. And my mom tells me years later that she um, she thought that I was going to pick the drums because of how cool it was. And she, she asked me, what instrument do you want to play? And I chose the flute. And she goes, why? And I go, well, Captain Picard plays the flute, so I have to play that. <laughs> um so I never I was for for as nerdy as I was with some of this stuff, man, I never went that far. So oh, when I was when man. I was in kindergarten, when I was in kindergarten, I'm dead serious about this. They they brought us up in front of the they brought us in front of 
of everyone in front of our kindergarten graduation, they asked us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everyone else had normal things like, I want to be a firefighter, I want to do this. And I stood up there and I said, I want to be a starship captain. And no one knew what I was talking about. Like, like what are you talking about? But, um, well, I now was a weird kid. I was, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why I'm the way I am right now when you understand how I was as a kid. Um, there's just really something about it, you know, that there's not any other show that really exists that takes the modern world and this is one area that I that I rant about whenever I talk about it but but it's like I feel like in the world that we live in right now where we need allegories more than ever we need to understand ourselves and the world that we're in better than any anything else to be able to have um stories like that um you know I tapestry is like one of my favorite episodes of all time and I really got into that episode again when I was really personally struggling in a in a uh, a, a difficult time in my life and I, I i think about i think about the the part where you know picard sits there and talks about how um you know i i pull on the string and 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 it, and, and it unveiled the tapestry of my life and i i, I laugh this because immediately after he says this like really touching heartwarming thing uh uh, Riker sits there and he's smiling like I wish I could have known that Jean-Luc Picard you know it's like you don't get that sort of TV anymore you don't get some stuff where and I'm sure I sound like an old man now but you don't have that sort of TV where it makes you think where it challenges you deeply not only just upon what your own preconceptions are but you have these stories that enrich your life and that's what drew me to Star Trek as I got older again. That's a perfect transition for us to talk about the wrestling episode of Star Trek Voyager, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but no, the, the way I feel about it is that you, this is a great episode for that because it's a dumb thing. It's it's a it's a it's a um it's a promotion for a UPN show that's wrestling, which is at that point considered to be the lowest of the low. And they, and yet they still found a way to bring in a deep philosophical, like, like we haven't even talked about the third act of it with, uh, with the Herojin. Let's do, let's start it then. Let's start our grades. Let's, we'll start with great scenes. I was just going to say that I thought the teaser is terrific. It's, it starts with this crazy 360 degree shot. One of these things about one of the things about this episode I liked was the marriage of wrestling and Star Trek forced the Star Trek people to break their own mold and stylistically do it slightly different. And even the music that they're using for the Sunkatsi ring is sort of different than the, any of the music we've been hearing through years and years of Next Generation Sonic Wallpaper. So it starts with a cool shot. We uh, we meet J.G. Hertzler as the Herogen, uh, and they do not wrestling moves, right? It's like MMA, like a lot of wah. It's like a yeah, lot it's, of it's, it's, it's more it's more MMA than wrestling. Yeah, and then so and then we get to see that the reveal that the Voyager crew is there enjoying the the bloodlust of it all. So that was the first scene. I think quick kicks it off. It's a pretty good scene. Um, Andy, what about you? I was going to say one of the things that disappointed me about it is. Like, like, like what I was discussing before about the, the philosophical nature of it. These people are Starfleet members and they're watching this blood sport like this. I don't know if they would be. They wouldn't. No. They wouldn't be as into it. You know, it's, it's maybe they don't know that it's a fight to the death. 
maybe that maybe that's that's the excuse to it. Well, um, they have the blue match and the red match, right? The blue matches right. are not to the death. Yeah. The red matches to the death, right? So they're, they're, at least even in the game, there's sort of a, a level of like what kind you're doing. And in fairness yeah. to the writer writers, right? Chakotay and Bolana Torres and even Tom Paris, even though they're all kind of nominally Starfleet kind of, they're both all three of them are outcasts originally. True. So there, there's that part of it too. And then poor Harry Kim is just bad influenced by them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Harry Kim didn't get killed during this episode, considering <laughs> what happens to him the rest of the show. Uh, but so do you have a, a great scene that you want to throw in or? Um, I would say one scene that I, one scene that I did enjoy um, the, and, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but, but Jeffrey Combs is sort of like the Vince McMahon character. Um, as, as much as I felt it was wasted to have him show up and sort of explain everything, it was also fun because you, you can sort of see like a little bit of the carniness of wrestling in that. I say this about filmmaking. When you can feel a steady hand uh, as an audience person, like this person knows what they're doing or this director knows what they're doing, it really settles you in. And like he doesn't have a lot to do, like you said, but he really nails the the, the role. And it's just like you get it, and it makes total sense, and it's interesting. He could have been a he he could have been a little bit scummier, you know, a little bit more of a promoter as opposed to just being like, "Oh, I'm running this thing, and uh, you know, you're going to be in this, and you have to save uh, you have to save uh, Tuvok." You know, it's like he could have been a little bit more scummier. That's that was my personal opinion about it. I, I yeah, I kind of felt he was trying, you know. His, Wei Yun is such a such a smarmy little bitch on on DS Nine that you know I felt like he was trying to avoid that. But if he just did Wei Yun, it would have been perfect. You know, yeah, he's yeah. just such a little you know. I feel like he was letting yeah he was letting that string uh, mustache that he had that really gross do looking mustache work, yeah. do a that lot was, of the work. Yeah, <laughs> that was a wild facial hair. I wish I could pull that off. <laughs> Um, what about you, Fansense? You got a great scene you want to throw in the pile I mean, here? honestly, there's a moment that I think is great because, you know, we have the conflict with, you know, be a hunter, be hunted. You know, we have, even though this episode is very much, you know, ship in a bottle, like you can, it, it can exist in space. You know, there's no, you don't really need to know a ton going in, but there's a good kind of, moment at the end when the Herogen and Seven are in sickbay and they take, you know, they say, you know, Seven's like, I think it's Seven that says to the doctor, like, can you excuse us for a minute? And he's just mm-hmm. has this look on his face. Like, are you crazy? Because again, the Herogen are this enemy. They've taken over Voyager. They try to hunt everybody. And he says like, oh, can I, should I leave you a phaser rifle? And he says it kind of as an aside, but it's delivered well. And the look on, on, on the doctor's face says a lot, you know, where it's like, there's that, you know, even for a for a hologram, there's this kind of inherent prejudice that he still has. You know, she's she's vouching for this Herogen. You know, this Herogen is his patient, but he still is very much and he's not even a, a living thing, but he mm-hmm. has a he still has because of this experience, this now prejudice that's set in. I I definitely agree with him, but I feel like one of the real one of the real highlights of the episode of is the doctor. Which I feel like is, is true for for most Voyager episodes that, that the doctor is in, but um, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting twist at the end. Now, 
I haven't watched uh, full disclosure. I haven't watched Voyager all the way through anything like that. Um, and uh, but I know that the Herogen are like kind of like the the one of the big bad guys of of Voyager, other than the Borg and everything else. Um, and I feel like it was sort of an interesting attempt to sort of bring that back in to sort of bring that um, you know. Oh, there are two sides to this. Let's understand where this guy is coming from over the course of his experience as a Herogen. Well, I th- I definitely like that we tried to get a, a different perspective, as you said. And, and you know, he tells the story of how he got separated and, and wrapped up in this whole thing. He was hunting with his son. Um, and it was touching. It was, it was just giving the Herogen some other... Uh, emotion to play essentially versus kill. Do they ever? Do they ever bring that up again in Voyager ever again, or is never. it just this particular story? Or never? Or no, just no, no, just no, in no, terms no. of like no, no. So so they so 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 they bring up this thread in the no, story no. where yeah. he's he's contemplating whether or not it's a good idea to be a hunter. And they never bring it. Okay, well, the thematic thread for me didn't really land. We have a couple of wasted scenes in the episode. What was the scene where Tom Paris and, and is talking to seven before she leaves? It's a little unclear what that scene was supposed to be. She's got all of her tools that she wants to bring with her on the trip. And he keeps comparing her to Bolana Torres, his wife saying like, Oh, that's just how Bolana is. And when she's gone from the ship for more than a day, she brings her stuffed teddy bear, her stuffed targ with her. And it's like, what are they trying? What is the they point were, of that they scene? Were, they were really trying for a while on Voyager to have kind of like a, you know, not so much, I, I maybe a love triangle, but really have um, like a Torres against Seven subplot where Torres was the only one who was never going to accept Seven. And it never necessarily hit. It just kind of came off mm-hmm. as like Bolana being a dick. Um, yeah, and it was again. It was another thing that didn't really hit. And then the thing Andy touched on about did the Herogen storyline come back? That's one of the fundamental problems I think with Voyager was that they never got a big bad because of the nature of they were moving through the quadrant, and every time they would get a little couple light years head start, obviously you would never see the, you know, you would never see the Kazon again, you'd never see the Vidians again, you'd never see the Herogen mm-hmm. again. They just kind of go away, and it becomes like the Borg show basically for the last couple seasons, where mm-hmm. everything is like Borg or Borg adjacent. You know, which is it's a shame because it's like there are cool concepts kind of within every Herogen episode ended up having like a reluctant Herogen that was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be all about the hunts. And there was like a Nazi Germany locked in the hologram episode with the Herogen. Like there's some interesting concepts with them. And then, yeah, I mean, every time their Voyager picks up a little bit of steam, you just never see them again. It becomes a lot of. Yeah, they never characters. they yeah. never do anything with anything. Well, because so they, yeah, 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 that's that, that's I think the nature of the show. It's just that because yeah. you know they're 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 trying to cover all these all this territory to get home. It's that the closer they get to Earth, you know, the the further away from you know their enemies they are because you know they're passing through different regions of space, and then once they're out of that area, they never see them again. So that was kind of like the. I don't think anybody really thought of that when they did it. When they, so there, there was never things that hit, and they started bringing in Ferengi and Klingons, and then you know resting on the Borg for probably the final three seasons, where mm-hmm. I would say every couple episodes were the Borg. You know, they went back to there. So yeah, I mean that, that it's a fundamental problem that that this thread just gets dropped, where it's like you know you could have had this Herogen character come back. You could have said there are Herogen that you know don't agree with the hunter hunted lifestyle and want to do something else. But this guy kind of goes back and then I don't think, I don't necessarily think we see the Herogen again after this. 
Um, um, I'm not quite sure when our last Herogen story is. Um, it's uh, I, to be honest, I think you're right. Yeah. It might be one of the last times we see them. But I think to your point, that's why they have to hit these emotional parts of the story harder to make them memorable. And I don't think yeah. it really works here. I think the last scene that she has is with Tuvok and and um, I don't really think it's a great scene, but it has like a great moment where Tuvok is realizing that she's she doesn't like how she felt going through this whole process where she almost killed this Herogen because she mm-hmm. realized that the only way she could survive this ex- experience was re- letting go, was having losing control. So I think that Tom Paris scene is sort of she's as her transitioning out of being a Borg drone and into a person, she's done this by finding ways to control her world, right? So she's got her own toolbox, her own tools that she brings with her to do the job. So it's all about control and comfort. And so in that experience of the Sunkatsi fights, she has to release that in order to survive. And she kind of hates herself for it. And Tuvok says, well, the fact that you are upset with yourself, it doesn't mean you've lost your humanity. It means you're reasserting it, you're reaffirming it. I think it's there. It's just Tom Paris is such a dick that it completely masks any um, sentimentality, any emotional setup or, you know, it's not that great of a scene and it's just not, it doesn't serve the rest of the episode. Well, but we're talking about the great scenes. And so I can, I can punch us out of this, everybody. I, all the fight scenes I think are great in this episode. Oh, the fight scenes yeah, are fantastic. They do a really good job. No, yeah. I, I, I was going to say the, the one thing about, I think you summed up Voyager in its entirety. Uh, a lot of great scenes, but, or, 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 excuse me, a lot of great ideas, but not many great scenes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the fight scenes are all, not only the, the interesting, but something happens in each of them. Even it, so if you're like, mm-hmm. just if you're mesmerized by the moves, which can sometimes be funny, but they actually did look kind of, they look cool. I thought for the most part, the fighting was great, but even in the middle of like, Oh, you're getting tired of watching them in the arena fighting. Well, guess what? These are just holograms fighting in front of people. So then we cut to the reality of where they're fighting. And some, there was something brutal about that when you lose the crowd noise and it's just two people knocking. It's, it's not even funny. Like they live where it's just two people beating the crap out of each other. There's something kind of sad about it and something very, intense and you realize how serious this is and i thought that was great but also when it's the voyager guys watching and seven comes out and they realize oh my gosh seven's in this so i thought those were all great scenes uh, so check those out if for no other reason the rock and some good uh wrestling scenes in voyager let's move on to best trek tropes and uh we'll start with andy uh do you have a best trek trope you want to throw in oh boy um I would say Jeffrey Combs was the best was the best trap trek trope for us. <laughs> he was. He was. Fan sense, what do you have for best trek trope? Um, I mean, again, the concept of, you know, that the going back to arena, it's the having your alien opponent at your mercy and your human side and, and the side that is Starfleet that teaches you about, you know, life being sacred unless it's two unless it's two vicks of course in the in the voyager world but um, <laughs> you know life being sacred Lock and, and load and, yeah yeah that yeah, had uh, to get brought up that had yes. to get brought up. yeah um yeah i mean it did yeah, feel yeah. like it, it it did feel like three separate episodes sometimes yeah. though yeah um, uh, i liked you know, no i like yours so much fans in so nine i wish i i want to i would should just go with that but i also want to mention that uh, we get another reference to Preece's squares uh, yes. the, the the nebulously ruled type of game that existed through since next generation we don't know what it is it's it's apparently very brutal you get hurt but uh you know harry kim is allegedly very good at greasy squares which doesn't make him a good boxer but anyway 
worst Trek tropes. Um, Andy, again, do you have a worst Trek trope you want to mention? Um, I think Neelix was <laughs> just. I like that you're not even going tropes. You're just going characters. I'm not even going. I'm not even going tropes. We're just going characters. <laughs> Neelix is so unlikable in this episode. I feel bad for him as an actor because he doesn't. He, as an actor, it should work. He should be a goofy, fun character in this very bleak, very scary, very sad Star Trek show. You know, these people are, you know, hundreds of millions of light years away or whatever from being home. Um, and this is what you have to deal with. Like, it, it, I have a the counter comic to this. Is, <laughs> Sure. I have accounted all this, but I want I want fans in so nine to throw in his work. Yeah, I mean that was essentially mine. I think that when 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 there are these in between episodes that don't necessarily push the further narrative along, there's a tendency to kind of fill space with like comedy, whether it's like you know hologram stuff. You know, it's like they do this a lot on like DS Nine, where they would randomly have like. Here's a, here's those rascals, Jake and Nog, getting into some trouble before they really knew what to do with Nog. There's a lot of just like Star Trek has a tendency to be like, all right, well, we got to fill some time here. Yeah. You know, we're not going to go to whatever Janeway's doing because it's not particularly interesting. So what do we do? Okay, let's let's do some comic relief type stuff. And unfortunately, on on you know, and 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 that's that, that's a great point too. Because think about it this way, in, in in terms of characters and everything else, what's Janeway doing during this? Like well, she's she's clearing the she's clearing the lane for the for the premise right for the right, young audience right but yeah. right, but, 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 but but like when she gets the reports from everyone about what happened during shore leave like how is she gonna like she's just gonna shake her head and be like what the fuck is wrong with you people you know what I mean like like why are, like this is how you wanted to spend your shore leave like. That's that's how I picture. I picture Janeway is like very fed up with everyone else around her. Yeah, that but she kind of like, needs some of them to survive to get through the rest of the yeah, journey. Absolutely, she's just, yeah, she's just, absolutely. She's just, what, if, what she just was visiting a negative. She was just visiting like a neg- like a, like another system, and she happened to have the Delta flyer. Yeah, yeah, but 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 at the same time, like I'm just thinking to myself, like she can't be happy with what's going on, like during this. And then it's like, well, that's just it. We're just never going to talk about this ever again. It's like, <laughs> well, I, I think also, I think also, like, the, it leads into what I said earlier, which was like, would would a would a Picard crew have gone and 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 kind of watched this kind of fighting thing? So, the question is, if if Janeway is a prototypical Starfleet captain in that mold, you know, does the episode make sense if it's Janeway? You know, telling her crew go have fun and like you know. Do you ever do, 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 do you ever think Janeway? This is actually I'm 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 actually going to kind of watch Voyager from this point on, thinking about this. Do you ever think she gets like fed up with the crew's shit? Yeah, probably. Oh, hundred like, percent. Like, you don't even. I you feel can like go back that's to the like beginning. a major. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like that's like a major theme of Voyager. Is like I'm the captain. I'm 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 just. I'm just so tired of the bullshit that you people are doing. You know, it's like, that's how I yeah. feel. Watch. 
Yeah, and, 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 and at this the point of the show, they very much had her as like the killjoy. You know, it's like very much like, okay, everybody, you know, it's like the adults are back. So this feels like yeah, one of like, those like the adults right. away. If and, she's yeah. miserable about it, she's right. Because yeah. Think about it. You had, you had this terrible situation just occur. And it, it's like, I'd be fed up with that bullshit too. Right. right, I gotta make no. the case for Neelix in this episode because I okay. actually agree completely with your general premise. But to me, he was not the, he he gets a lot to do in this episode, which is surprising because I my recollection is by this point in the run of the show, his role had been diminished. I mean, point, for anyone who doubts me, they wrote him out of the show with like four episodes <laughs> to go. They're like, how soon can we ditch Neelix? Let's do it. But, but it's uh, a bummer, though, because he's not a bad actor. Right. But like, and it's, he, it's, it's so, the tone is so weird with him is the writers don't know what to do with him. But like even to the point of he starts. The funny thing is, oh, he got a sunburn. He was out on the beach too long and he got a sunburn. Womp womp. How is that funny? He just looks kind of funny more than he weird, normally does. Yeah. There's nothing interesting. But like to me, here's the thing. He's he goes to the doctor to get help with the sunburn because he tries a homeopathic thing and it causes an allergic reaction. Ha ha, whatever. But then the doctor's like, I can't believe you'd want to see that fight. Why don't you come with me to this stupid museum? Which like to me, out of all the three options, the museum or just touring around that planet is is not as interesting as what Seven and Tuvok are doing. Let's witness the collapse of a micro nebula. That sounds kind of cool. And I then feel like the watching an alien fight. Be- I feel like the doctor would be character wise. I feel like it kind of goes against his character that he wouldn't be interested in watching this. I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for him to be like, I want to watch this. So you go from, uh, you have the moment where Neelix goes, Hmm, should I go to the museum or go to this fight? And then it cuts, does this hard cut to him like cheering going, yeah, get up. (laughs) And I thought that was great. He also gets a bunch of other great lines that I'll, I'll mention later in the episode. He gets used to go down to the planet. We don't see the scene, but he comes back reporting. I talked to the local politicians. They were like, and he knows that they are full of shit. And he's like, Oh, how could anyone fight against their will? We have nothing to do with that. He gets a lot to do. And I think after the sunburn stuff from then on, I think he's fine. And he's like, he actually gets good lines. He shouts seven way too many times when they see her in the ring. I counted those guys shout her name when seven of nine comes out into the fight six times. And I thought, you know, that's just not good directing. They should have realized it's really annoying to hear someone shouting seven. The, several the times. twist, <laughs> the twist of them not actually being there was really bad. Oh, you didn't like that? Okay, I, kind of I didn't that like was, that at all. Uh, I, I like that. The the way I felt about it is, how are they going to be into this battle if there's no one else around them? Well, you know, it's like it's 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 like a wrestling thing. It's like I'm sure Francis and I can can back me up on this. It's 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 like how are they going to get jacked up to kill the person if it's just in front of nobody? You need to have that crowd around you. You need to have that excitement and everything else. And I feel like that was a big area where it's it's very much like i don't necessarily understand the business of what this is i kind of agree the conscription part of it i was like i know that they for time didn't get into tuvok would have he tries you see him fitzing with the panel but like in a classic star trek episode they're spending a lot of the time that they're in there not training but trying to get out of the 
out of their captors, away from their captors. And in Seven's case, she had Tuvok to fight for. And then the Hirogen, they even mentioned that he had a son. So it seems like it would have been just just as a quick and dirty thing. Like, why do these people mm-hmm. even bother fighting? It's like, oh, because not only have they been kidnapped, but like someone close to them. And they're being held hostage to fight for that person. So you could have done it that way. That might have been quick and easy. But um, So that's my pitch for why Neelix isn't so bad. My actual worst Trek tropes was the Technobabble. And I'm just going to distill it down into one scene. Um, Neelix asks Chakotay once they're watching the match I still don't understand the rules and then Chakotay answers it's simple a Sunkatsi fighter wears a Polaron disruptor on both hands and feet each disruptor delivers a bioplasmic charge when it comes in contact with one of the opponent's target sensors so there is strategy involved a fighter has to attack his opponent's sensors without exposing his own it was like 18 to 20 seconds of description that is one it's not a simple answer and two, it just sounds very convoluted. It's like you just punch it's the such, sensors until such, it goes off. It's it's such Trek. It's such yeah, Trek. It's just total it's, Trek. It can't just be like, used to it. You're so used to it. Yeah, it can't be like the first person that gets knocked out wins. It has to be just sensors. <laughs> right. as a point system. There's technology enhanced. Yeah. There's so not the even most... a point system. It's just punch me in my sensor and I'm I'm going to die. Like, now oh, for okay, time, cool. yeah. So for time's sake, can I just make a pitch for what most of its time quality could be? Unless one of you has a passionate point you want to bring up, I think the most of its time quality is just the rock being in this episode. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Yeah, and that's the point uh, so, of the episode. I mean, that ultimately is yeah. the yeah. point of the episode. The line must be drawn here. Great lines, <laughs> uh, fans since '09. What do you have any great lines? Uh, I. I Again, I don't remember how he delivers it, but the line, the doctor, I think I think in terms of delivery, when the doctor says, like, you know, do you need anything else? Phaser rifle when or, or I don't remember what the exact line was. I, I that to me just stood out as a as a good line in this. I don't think there was anything classic, you know, like like Andy said, you know, if you or, No, was no, there Ryan, was you said that when was you read the script. There was something classic in this, and that was the people's eyebrow. That That's was true. the classic <laughs> moment. I don't mean to jump ahead, but but that the classic moment is that zoom on the rock where he knows where he knows he's going to bring it. And you get that little eyebrow underneath the uh, underneath the makeup. Oh, oh, you it it doesn't get better than that. Uh, Cinema would not be matched in that moment until the flash entered the speed force. That's the gulf between the two. (laughs) Um, I had. Neelix saying an away mission during shore leave when uh, seven and two box say they want to go check out this nebula. And then I also had um, Neelix saying when the rock comes out, he looks like he could pick up a shuttlecraft. I kind of like that. And I, I like, like that idea. I like that one. Uh, and an away mission during shore leave, like 90% of shore leave episodes aren't an away mission <laughs> in Star Trek episodes. So there is a part of me that does wonder in some of these shows when they're 26 episodes, if there was ever that thought of like, can we just comment on Star Trek a little bit here? <laughs> like surely they know enough about Federation history to know this doesn't always go smoothly. And don't, um, don't, one thing that surprised <laughs> me is that there wasn't a lot more like, I, I know seven says like resistance is futile. And then like the rock, I don't know what he says. He's, says like shut up there was examples for- <laughs> i wish he had said shut up that would have been better he says i'm afraid i can't something and it's like <laughs> oh they should have had him say just bring it like he had so many lines that would have worked in the context of the fight so when she's like resistance is fe- or i think she says like 
I assure you, or let me remind you, resistance is futile. He should have said like, just bring it or something like that. Like there, there were opportunities to, to really play on, on the rock back when he was interesting. I mean, really there were a lot of uh, opportunities there for that debate. I think they kind of missed They could, they could have worked that if they did people's eyebrows, have them say, have them speak in third person or, or have them, uh, have him say, just bring it. Or, you know, there were, again, it was very surprising. He wasn't in it more. I feel like right. if you he made think, that episode You would today, think at yeah. the end. That was that was my other big point I was going to make. He's in the scene and he goes away. You would think when they're like liberating the ship, he's either the big bad that she has to finally defeat or he's like, you know, because of who he is, you know, that as as you know, just He's probably actor, sitting he's there not... thinking to himself, knowing the rock, he's probably sitting there thinking to himself, "All right, I don't have to worry about any other competition. They're going to they're going to fight each other. They're going to get beamed out." Yeah. I'm going to be the champion now. Maybe that's the most honest wrestling thing that could be said about the entire episode. <laughs> yeah. Is that literally the rock is like realizing that I'm going to be the champion literally because they're going to, they're going to beam away. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's typical. I mean, it's also typical, you know, it's like, Hey, he got put over the writers put him over that he didn't have to do anything else. <laughs> he got his, he, he got put over and then he walked in. He never, he, you know, he, he left. It's like it's like you know almost how it is, and when he shows up in WWE now, they put him over exactly, and exactly. Away. Yeah, so that that's kind of this episode. They were ahead of their he, time. We didn't realize yeah. they were ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have he the Herodian. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, he comes in. He gets the spots in. He does the the rock bottom, the people's eyebrow. He gets his he gets his shine, and he leaves. Maybe, maybe Jeffrey Combs was a better booker than I thought he was. <laughs> Uh, I also have the Herojin fighter saying, do you know the difference between a champion and a survivor here? There is none. Um, and then Pink saying, if 3 billion people paid to see you hurt, imagine how many would pay to see you die. The thing about that line is, don't they already pay to watch people die? You well, know what I mean? The like... was that she's a Borg and people hate the Borg. So the seeing a Borg take it on the chin was the, the extra special thing she I also I also didn't understand that line because it's like, wouldn't you want, if, if all these people are tuning in to see a Borg get hurt, wouldn't you want to ride that a little bit instead of being like, okay, first match gets hurt, second match dies. All right, the end. You know, yeah, it's like, I, I kind of just be like, hey, this is my prize. This is my prize possession now. And like, you know, we got to milk this for a while. Like there was, there was really not a sense of like, oh, she's in this for the long haul now. Did they have the Voyager crew on SmackDown? No, I don't think so. Oh. They never did. Now yeah. that's a missed opportunity. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine a SmackDown with fucking Robert Picardo? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Robert Picardo giving a giving a giving a promo. Oh my god. <laughs> That would have been a classic. We would have, we would still be watching it to this day. What's funny was I remember, so I remember UPN and this just came back to me. So UPN was also like the local affiliate. They would play like hockey games and stuff on. And I remember they did an F, they did like a promo with like a couple of the flyers, like speaking in Finnish. I don't remember who it was like talking about their favorite parts. I'm like, yo, yeah, Mm -hmm. I really started watching after they got seven of nine. So it's like that. That kind of stuff was funny, but you never saw that really in reverse. Like they should have, they should have cut the SmackDown and have like the entire first row is the Voyager cast, but in costume. They should have been there, like in costume, like putting over that they're like explorers and like just looking around in their uniforms, like they're in character. That would have been incredible. I, I don't want to bring up bad memories, but maybe they should have cut Seven of Nine into knocking out Eric Lindros instead of Scott Stevens. <laughs> 
that would have been a weird fracturing in in our history because Jerry Ryan married a senator, <laughs> yeah. and so and then, having and that in her back catalog for that. Jerry Ryan is why we have Obama. <laughs> yeah, it's right. true. I'm, it's it's. I don't. I, you know that that's one of the fun things to think about is is literally the reason why we have Barack Obama as president is because of Jerry Ryan. Well, Seven of Nine does do, uh, she does work for the Department of Temporal Investigations at some point in Voyager's room, so it all, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll, I'll abrogate this thread so we can move on to the next one. The Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. Uh, Andy, is there anyone you want to nominate or award this, award this to? And we'll see if you're ready. Um, I'm giving it to The Rock. Oh, he's giving it to The Rock. I'm okay. giving it to The Rock. His expectations were low. I expected him. No, I mean, he doesn't have the charisma that Schwarzenegger does. Um, I, I feel like that's the closest that he could be. And I don't want to get like movie and I don't want to talk too much shit about someone who's, you know, you're a bad mouth, a future colleague. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but in my mind, I was very surprised that the rock was considering his reputation during that time as an actor. I thought he did a very good job. I really I did. think so too. I agree. Uh, Fanson09, do you want to just get with that or do you have someone else? No, I, I thought uh, I thought J.G. Hertzler was good. I mean, my yeah. problem is that he just did his Martok voice. So immediately you're like, oh, that's Martok. Yeah. But he was, I mean, he was an older guy at the time of this. And, and they probably in hindsight, you know, should have casted someone a little bit younger if they're going to be, you know, a fighter, but I think he played it off right. I think he added kind of a. He didn't uh, look bad. He didn't look bad yeah. as a fighter. It looked believable. It wasn't like you're like. Yeah, he was fine, but I think I think he pulled it off. I think he gave a lot of like gravita to that role because again, he was Mick from Rocky. I mean, he was he was that kind of role. So of course they wanted someone who was like older and had that voice, but it didn't make sense as an active fighter to be like fifty years old. But. um no, I thought he did a good job with kind of what he was given. I thought he kind of like, you know, made the character likable, gave kind of could have been a really one-dimensional character depth. I mean, I think, you know, the opposite of what Jeffrey Combs did, where Jeffrey Combs kind of did a character and was like, cool, that's what's on the page, bye. I think J.J. Hertz actually like put, you know, he put a lot of, of life and effort and kind of, you know, soul into this character. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I would say he had the best performance. Yeah, I'm I'm – kind of leaning that way but uh, Andy's point about the rock is actually pretty well taken. He he I've no there's nothing you can look at that and point to as being bad the performance and um I know is you know I'll just leave it there. One of the things about his career is he wants to be taken seriously as an actor. And I'll give you a perfect example of someone who has done all the work to be a great actor and that's Dave Batista who's also a professional wrestler um you know he the things that Dave has been in to watch him do what he's done it's 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 almost inspiring to say because this is someone who and I'm sure Francis and I can back me up on this to see someone who wasn't necessarily very well liked over the course of his wrestling career to sort of create this acting career for himself out of it i i feel like now now the rock is a star and he sort of bombed on a couple of movies and stuff like that 
it's it's been very interesting to see the difference between someone like Dave Batista, who's really shown an appreciation and understanding for the craft versus someone who in his contract won't allow someone to beat him up. So it's fun to see him in a vulnerable role at the beginning of his right. career. Well, so it's let's go to this. Oh, go well, ahead. well, it's interesting to kind of, if I can pick it back on, I would say the same thing, but I would actually use Cena as the example where I think, you know, the rock had the ability to be a little bit more interesting earlier in his career. I mean, he was in some bad movies, but like he was in be cool and his character mm-hmm. kind of was like, he was willing to make fun of himself. He did it like the tooth fairy. He did like, you know, Schwarzenegger level making fun of himself comedies, but he became way too self-serious now that, mm-hmm. that, you know, his stuff is so over the top because he's so into it. Whereas, and it, what was funny was it flied in the face of his, his, um, wrestling character who would do goofy things and would say funny things and right you know wasn't afraid to push the envelope whereas on the other side you had john cena who the big knock on him his entire wrestling career was that he was like a focus group you know like Mm -hmm. he never was he was never able to look bad he never said that's a really great observation he was such a boring plain character but he like you know he started off in like train wreck where his jokes about his dick you know it's like he's Mm -hmm. been and he's been in very like and Peacemaker was excellent. Peacemaker is incredible. Excellent. Like, but Peacemaker, yeah, he was in. Um, he was in. What was the? What was the one with the? Where he was a parent. Like, he's 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 been willing to do comedies. He makes fun of himself. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, blockers. I think the rock. Yeah, yeah, blockers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's done really like uh, against type funny stuff where like he knows who he is and he's in on the joke. I wonder if the Rock made different choices later in his career if we wouldn't look at this differently, I I, just, just in the sense of, just in the sense of, of, of like, he does all the rock things in this. He's protected by the writers. The writers did a really good job protecting him in this, where he doesn't look like a geek. He's not overexposed. He's not embarrassed. You know, he's allowed to do rock things. When I when I remember this episode, when I remember this episode, I remember his performance being a lot larger. Yeah. But now that I'm older and I watch it with a different perspective, I'm actually shocked that he's in it for so little. I'm sure if you if you go on YouTube and look up the commercials for this episode, it was all. About I guarantee him, yeah. you, it's absolutely all about him. Yep. And it's not. You know, it's not a bait and switch or anything, but it's very interesting to me today if you had the same sort of character that existed in professional wrestling, it would not be that short. It would be a major, major, major role in this. Well, yeah, but a lot would, of that yeah. – what's interesting though is he gets – but he gets a lot of credit for that because he's – because he's done well at the box office and again, I guess Cena and Dave Batista as well – you know, you don't have a sense of like, you know, when he was wrestling, it was like the the wrestlers that were actors were like Hulk Hogan. And it's like, mm-hmm. not a good actor. His stuff's stupid. Nobody's going to, you know, never, never jocks box off his, you know, so it's like you didn't have the, you know, oh, he's just a wrestler, you know, a wrestler or, you mm-hmm. know, you have a guy who's in a scene like, you know, Kevin Nash for a second in a movie. But, right, you, know, right. you know, at the time they did this, wrestlers were not actors, but now again, everything has a wrestler in it. It's so accepted that, yeah, if you had, if you were to throw, you know, 
anybody, you know, take take any of the the you know like a Drew McIntyre maybe as 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 like an alien champion thing. Yeah, he would be mm-hmm. he would be like I said, he would be like at the end of it, you know, being like you know either the guy they have to beat, the big bad, or the guy he mm-hmm. finally turns against the big bad. He'd be in multiple scenes and stuff like that. But I think back then it just was like so unheard of that. You know, yeah, there was yeah. a sense of like we, we we can't have a wrestler so much on the show because it's gonna you know how do we how do we act with them how do we interact with them and I think you know the tides have changed and and The Rock does deserve some credit for this whereas you know he's he's so known now as an actor that it's like okay well actors you know wrestlers are essentially inherently actors so they're all pretty good at it so they could do a lot more than we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do the Shatner and let's see who didn't quite measure up to that. <laughs> Uh, let's start with Andy. Who do you want to nominate for the Shatner? Um, I don't want to talk shit about him again, but you know how I got I, I got to choose Neil 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 Yeah. Okay. I got to choose uh, Neil the, the whole thing about the whole thing about the, the whole thing about him getting sunburned. Jesus Christ, brother, put some sun, <laughs> put some sunscreen on, man. Come on. Fansons. How about you? I would probably put kind of, um, Torres there just because I feel like she doesn't really contribute much to the episode other than like being angry for no reason um, and like staying with the ship so I, you know nothing she says is particularly important or, or valuable to the story can I change my answer because he's right oh, you're going with Torres <laughs> I'm changing my answer okay I was just going to pick the the part of the scene where they're all talking about the next match they're all gambling on uh, where Harry Kim has and Tom Paris are punching at each other, shadow boxing. Uh, that was how my do they have the money to bet on is these? Garrett Wong going to take a is he taking a stray here because he's barely in the episode? I have to give him total credit though for doing the I'm an actor on a network show and I'm tired of saying this line over and over again because when they're fighting the broadcasting ship at the end and they're like, "Can you get a lock on seven and two buck?" He goes, "Our sensors can't penetrate." The- <laughs> like he's saying it's like because I've said this line seventy times, uh, yeah. so he gets credit for that. I, I always enjoy when actors are like, "I'm going to highlight how stupid this line is by delivering <laughs> it stupidly." Uh, what part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? I feel like we've kind of covered this in some sense, but fans in so nine, do you want to? Do you have? Like yeah, a- don't don't go to a legal fighting tournament. <laughs> uh, I guess also don't let, let the Delta flyer do all the fighting because Voyager does nothing <laughs> against the ship at the end until Janeway None. shows up in the Delta flyer and disables the entire thing like by herself. Yeah. Andy, what about you for the, I was going to say, I was going to say, find something better to do during shore leave guys. <laughs> like you're going to get some Jamaharone, man. You got to get some Jamaharone. I kind of appreciate seven and Tuvok being like, you know what? We're going to go look at this beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, we're, we're yeah. going to look at this new universe be born. And then all the other cavemen are watching this going, I'm going to go watch people beat each other up. Like, touch grass. <laughs> <laughs> this is the original touch grass. I also, <laughs> also, just along the lines, we're talking about the blood sport part of it. But to me, it seems like the gambling part of this is sort of yeah. not not elided totally, but it, it's, it's there. It's ahead of its time. Yeah. It's ahead of its time. <laughs> But they do a ton of gambling on Star Trek. I mean, they play poker That's true. for snakes, clearly. For a moneyless society, they they sure throw some cash around. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you? If money mean if money meant nothing, wouldn't you just throw money around? I mean, Jesus. Basically. 
Well, if you look at my look at my sneaker collection, I basically do. So, <laughs> <laughs> how would the predecessor captain or show resolve the conflict? So, the predecessor to Voyager would be Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. How would Captain Cisco or maybe that crew handle this? Um, I can take this first if either of you want a second to think about that. Or no, I or, have a, uh, I have a pretty have a, good I have a pretty good sense. I mean, I could tell you. Now, Cisco is interesting because if it's more of a shade of gray. I could see Cisco having moral problems with it due to like American history. You know, like I could see him being like, you know, this is this was a dark time in our history where we fought. You know, almost like he was when they when they um they had the Vic LaFontaine. Uh, is that his name? The hologram. Uh, Vic Fontaine. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, Fontaine. Yeah. Fontaine. Just yeah. Vic when, Fontaine. When they had the Vic. Remember when they had the Vic Fontaine. Um, like lounge open and he just wouldn't go because he was like hey you know historically people that look like me couldn't go to places like this in the time that this is set i think he would have some perspective there and be kind of against the issue because no but but let's let's be honest though he's a big baseball fan that's true we know how much baseball fans love wrestling that's true (laughs) so (laughs) so i i feel like i feel like he would it wouldn't be like modern wrestling. I feel like Cisco would be more of like a Bruno San Martino kind of guy. Yeah, maybe. He'd be but, like, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't get to Cisco because Odo would be like, they're gambling on the promenade. <laughs> because Odo is a snitch. It wouldn't even get to Cisco's desk because they're like, there's gambling happening, and then Odo shuts everything down in the end. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, if they had gone to, let's say it's like an earlier Deep Space Nine when they were just, let's do adventures on the other side of the wormhole and they're in the Gamma Quadrant and they come across a planet like this. I mean, I could, what I would see is some version of everything you're saying, but also it feels like Cisco would be more like, you know, these fighters are in this situation. We can't change the fighting. We can't change the betters. So we're going to have to just jam up these broadcasters. I think they would be yeah, a I lot more like yeah. flooding the zone with shit or, yeah. or collapsing like the gambling. Let's like, let burn, burn down the Hilton or wherever they're taking the, the placing the bets and really sock it to him that way. I think that's kind of where that episode would go. Yeah. I, well, um, I would also see this bigger morality thing with like Kira, because you could say, Oh, the Cardassians used to fight us for sport. You know, it's like, yeah. there would be a lot of historical context behind why the characters mm-hmm. like, or do not like it because based yeah, on that's, that's Bashir would be point. all about it. Bashir would be like, this is my shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the no, beauty that's, of Bashir. Yes. <laughs> you could throw him in there. A, that's a, that, that's a really, really interesting point that you bring up. I feel like if you had the cast of DS9, you wouldn't have this episode because there would be people who would know what this was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'd also like have people the... who lived through this. Yes. Well, you would also have people who, you know, I could see a line from Kira like, "Why would I want to watch fighting when I've lived through it? I fought my whole life." Right. You know, you would have you would have more varied. That's the thing that bugs me about the the DS Nine that the Voyager cast episode is that there's not one person except for the Doctor that's like, "Why would you watch this?" Whereas right. I think there was such right. a variance of personality on DS Nine that you would never get a unified. Everybody everyone is going to everyone this, is everybody very would oddly have into yeah. this. Yeah. 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 Everybody on DSI would have an issue with it. I think I could see Julian and uh, and Chief O'Brien being like, "Yeah," and then O'Brien being like, "My uh, my great ancestor was champion yep. of Ireland," you know, like one of those things. And they would watch I it. Could just, and they would go I could back just hear and tell Picard going. Spirit would get pissed off, and yeah, yeah. I can hear Picard going. There was no wrestling moves on the bridge. 
No one is being put over. <laughs> yes, there are, no one is being put over on the bridge. And then that's but, it. There are no mocks in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> but even with the O'Brien thing, he's like, oh, yeah, my great ancestor uh, was involved in this. And then as Irish, soon as they, yes, of course. And as soon as they, his friends, the other crew members started to register their issues with it, he'd be like, that's true. My, my great ancestor also was beaten to death from the ring or <laughs> like he never could pay his debts. He became in a, like it, yeah. it would, it would evolve into that and you'd get agreement on it. Absolutely. I could see it. All right. So let's end on Trek, marry or kill Sunkatsi, Star Trek Voyager. And we'll start with Andy. Um, I'm going to take kill. Didn't it's like gonna... it. Didn't like it. All right. It's kill. There's, there's parts of it that are fun. It's a it's a quintessential Trek episode, but it's just it's just not good. It's just not good. All right, uh, fans in zone nine. I would I would see I would hesitantly say kill because I don't. It's not as bad as I remember it. I wouldn't put it up there with like the absolute worst episodes. But I think what it represented was kind of like the beginning of the end for you know, this generation of Star Trek, where I feel like once the shows start putting over like other shows on the network and that becomes the focal point behind an episode is, oh shit, UPN wants us to do this. Um, and, you know, it, they did it again and, you know, they, they did stuff like this in, in Enterprise. I really think this mm-hmm. kind of signaled like, oh, hey, the, the philosophy behind this is for our audience and like the people who like Star Trek will like this and the casuals won't. I think this really started this trend of like courting casuals that led to yeah. – because right after this was Enterprise, which didn't have Star Trek in the title, you know. So it was like yeah. – it very much started us no, down. It's, yeah, it started You know what it reminded – it, it, it reminded me a lot of um, – of the principal and the pauper of the Simpsons in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways where, where you sort of, you sort of, you're starting to move away from what made your show great and moving it toward these celebrity guest star appearances. I'm giving well, but it Voyager a soft did, Voyager, trip, but... did, Voyager did celebrity episode. I mean, Voyager. They did. Had, they did. They, they did. They had Jason Alexander. I mean, they had some stuff, but yeah, I, I mean, I just felt like this was at the time this was where like you were months away. Cause there was that last season overlap with enterprise, you know, you were like a month, you know, you were, you weren't very far away from basically like star Trek being dropped from a title in this new show. Mm-hmm. That was the anti star Trek, star Trek. I thought this really is like, if you want to look at a point where like that started and like, Star Trek as a, you know, our our audience is Star Trek fans and, and the push for casuals like this was mm-hmm. probably I would rate this that moment where it was like, OK, you know, they they want just ratings. And, you yeah. know, it's not so much about Star Trek. It's about having a successful show. And, mm-hmm. and you know, hey, as a producer that, you know, that's the point of, of being on television. But it really does signal kind of this descent into casual fans that. Personally, mm-hmm. I think we're out of. I I think with um with Strange New Worlds and and I would even say the last couple seasons of Discovery have been and and especially which I think is the best Trek show on TV is uh, Lower Decks, where it's mm-hmm. like these are shows back. You know, this is like quintessential Star Trek being back, even though it has elements that could get new fans in. Still, your focal point it's being done by people that like Star Trek for people that like Star Trek. But I mm-hmm. thought this kind of signaled you know twenty years of of 
you know, starting here, then into Nemesis, then going into the J.J. Abrams movies, like really just Star Trek tailored for, you know, general audiences who don't know what the thing is. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'll say that I'm going to give this a soft trek, but this is why when we do these special episodes, we have three so that there can be a tiebreaker in these situations. And so it's a kill because uh, our esteemed guests today have deemed it so. Well, why, so why, do you think it's a trek? why do you think Why do you think it's yeah. a trek? I, I'm very curious. I, why I give trek. it a, it's like a soft trek. I think because the fighting scenes are great because JG Hertzler is great and that character it as, as, um, as Mickey in the Mickey role, but yeah. then the twist <laughs> at the end, I, I think is good and not mentioned. I thought Jerry Ryan did a great job. Uh, she was being seven, but also you could see the moments where she was kind of, um, you know, losing it. And I just thought the fact that they were forced to change their style up a little bit and it worked for the most part, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't like, you know, the episode is totally different if Janeway's there. Uh, but but it's exactly what you had pointed out. She'd be more like the not the killjoy, but she'd be like, "This is pretty gross, guys." <laughs> like, uh, no, uh, it's it's just it's just a weird. It's a very I, but I, all your points time. are taken. No, I think all your points are taken, and 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 you have it. The uh, the nays have it in this case, so it's a kill. Um, I, but I want to give you both a chance to plug what what um, you've produced lately. Uh, Tito is available on YouTube. You can just go type in T I T O and there's a short film, um, and it's produced by Andy. Andy, do you want to tell us short, shortly what, uh, Tito's about? Yeah. Um, so, so, so Tito's basically just a movie about, uh, a delivery person reaching the end of their rope, um, sort of taking the ideas of the philosophical ideas that have been stuck in my head. And, um, I hope people enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, it's been it's been a pretty successful endeavor so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else we can uh, what else we can do out of it. Co-wrote, co-directed it. Had you directed anything other than your famous porn before this? No, <laughs> so, okay, okay. no, the <laughs> no, 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 no. The only thing um, I went to college for I went to college for film, and it has never worked out. Um, but so I had a very uh, also unsuccessful Twitter career afterwards. And um, and I just on, went you had from a sports writer call your mom. That's not an unsuccessful. I did, career. I did. But <laughs> if a sports writer calls your mom, for, that's a successful Twitter career. That's for that's that that's for another podcast. I don't know if we can necessarily get into <laughs> it now. Um, but uh, but no. Um, me, me and my friend Anthony decided we 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 wanted to make movies together. We had um ideas for stuff, and um, I'm I'm very proud of what we were able to make, and uh. I, I hope people have enjoyed what we've been able to do, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. He did not direct a famous porn, everybody. I was just trying to make a joke there <laughs> at the end. Uh, so, Fansense09, you also produced a short film a couple of years ago, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Please tell us yeah, about Lost I mean, Treasure of the Valley real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm excited for Andy because I remember, you know, how fun the festival circuit is and, and how cool it is to see something that you, you know, at least played whatever part in on a big screen, you know, to see your name, to see the project that so many people put, you know, you know, there, that, that's kind of its own reward, even if it doesn't, you know, it, it just, it's just, you made it, you know, it's like you had something yeah. that was shown in a movie theater to an audience, you made it, nobody could ever take that away. So it's been really cool watching you kind of go through that because I know mm-hmm. for me, that was just, that was the best part of it all was, it is, know, it, it, we, it, we it, it's, it's of work by far, we saw it, they yeah. appreciate it. You know, it's like, Hey, you know what? A room full of people laughed at a joke that we made. So cool. You know, we had people come up to us. Oh, they, they laughed at your that. jokes when, 
they didn't laugh at my I'm just, I'm oh, they didn't? No, 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 no. We, we, we had a, we, we, we had some good audiences. I'm, I'm, I'm just making a joke. No, it's, it's really been, it's, it's been a wild experience, you know, from, from beginning to end. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to, uh, we have another script that that we're that we're working on. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so we it. we have yeah. So basically, Lost Treasure Valley. We made it right kind of right before you know we 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 hit the festival circuit right before COVID and kind of the world changed. So we didn't get to travel and do stuff as much as we wanted to. We did a lot of virtual festivals, but we were lucky to. We have about seventy or so awards. You know, not all of them obviously best short, but like we had a lot of best actor or, or best supporting actor. Um, a lot of like best special effects. I mean, everybody really um did great um so the the director of that is not me it's it's my friend robert houston who's a name to i think really watch out for he's kind of the creative mastermind behind it but i think it's a timeless it's a story that kind of hits you know kind of almost like andy said where it's someone who's you know trying to kind of find themselves and i think that's a situation a lot of people are in and relate to so you know we do ours in a fantastical way um you know if you're into 90s television uh, we have laurie beth denberg from uh, all that it plays a role um one of the main characters is greg lee who is the host of um uh where in the world is carmen san diego back when it was a game show um mm-hmm. so those are our those are two of our big characters and and really everybody does a great job with it um and yeah i mean it's a lot of fun uh i know rob is kind of still working out where he wants to put it but you know if you're interested in watching it shoot me a dm uh fancits09 i'm happy to provide a link or um give you a little bit more information on where you can find it i think we'll probably go the youtube way i know for a while we were looking to see where we can find a home for it but you know, uh, there, there. Then you know, we 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 had planned to make some other stuff, but then COVID hit. Uh, uh what was that? Story. What's what's that COVID thing? Uh, it was a, it was there was a hoax that made President Trump look bad. <laughs> um, that happened. Wait a second, it, kayfabe, kayfabe. We, we, no, 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 no. We, <laughs> all right, we're, we're not, not doing the other back, show anymore. We're not, we're not doing the other the show anymore. Words, sorry. Not, no, no, the other show's over, brother. Oh, sorry about <laughs> we're that. Back to... <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here for this one. I had a great time. Uh, and thank you all for listening out there. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. There'll be another wild card episode. Uh, so be sure to rate it and review us on Apple podcasts. Give us five stars there or on Spotify, wherever you listen, you can follow us online on Twitter and Instagram at Trek Mary K pod. And we just launched our website, Trek Mary where we have all of our standings. So you can see what shows are getting Trek Mary and killed, you know, the number the percentages, however you want to do it. Uh, Until then, TMK out. Welcome to the first night of the first network for the next century. UPN.